Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So last minute packing, got my passports, got my music. Uh, we're off to Norway to work with our great friend Bjarte Eike and his group Baroque Solistina that we've worked with for about 16 years uh, to do a programme called Naughty Boys, Runny Nose and Spider Bites for reasons that may or may not become apparent. Um, and just packing, got my passport, got my music, got all their music, all figured up and ready. Uh, got the fluffy halos, the lighting up horns, the devil's t-shirts and Charles's loose, uh, loose jacket. Uh, right, any music you hear on this episode that isn't back announced is almost certainly by Baroque Solistina from their album, The Alehouse Sessions, or The Playhouse Sessions. Off we go. Unexpected Cadence in Bagging Area
it's a day later and everything's gone swimmingly we had a lovely rehearsal in London uh, Monteverdi, Vecchi, Britain uh, all sorts of bits and pieces and then uh, although it was up very early this morning got through Heathrow easily, lovely flight very smooth uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't have got rid of us faster at uh, Oslo Airport onto this sleek train snaking through the snow-clad Norwegian countryside. I'm sitting here with Nicholas. Welcome to being um, on the official staff of Court Your Honour, Nicholas. Great, great honour. Can I stop calling you Nicholas now? Can I just call you Sammy, please? It's, it's so strange. Can't quite get past it. Not even Nick, Nicholas. Only my mother calls me that when I'm in trouble. <laughs> Uh, but it is very beautiful. On the other side of the aisle is um, Charles Gibbs, uh, Matt Long, whose phone just went, another gig. Um, Anna Crook's back with us after not being with us so much towards the end of last year. Um, and another Anna, Anna Beard Fernandez, former student, now doing very nicely in London. Thank you. She's got a bit of Spanish to sing um, in the next few days, isn't she? She and you both. La Jacara, the um, Irribaren, is that his name? Nice, good piece of Christmas rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, and she's bought her own castanets. Indeed. That's, uh, it's always the thing in fact, if you've got extra skills, we do use them. Have you got any extra skills? No, I don't even have any basic skills. <laughs> Wait to de- develop them. <laughs> Matt, of course, juggles. I didn't know that. Yeah, Matt juggles. Uh, and so, yes, all beautifully smooth, and it's really, really lovely country. Actually, it's not, is it? It's just some houses. But well, it- no, it was a minute ago, really lovely countryside. Can we pretend for the listeners? Covered in, covered in snow. Which is the single Norwegian word for snow. That's right, they, on QI, a few years ago, they, they, they busted that myth that Eskimos have millions of words for snow. What Eskimos do have is millions of words for demonstrative pronouns. So they have a different word for that thing over there as opposed to this thing over here. And that's all, they're all single words, that thing on top of the tr- drawer as opposed to that thing inside the drawer. All, the, all these... Should you ever go there, that would be useful. Now, at the end of our last um, our last thing to go, we had uh, Etymology Corner. Indeed. And you got another one. Well, yeah, I was thinking about Scandinavia, I was thinking about the Copenhagen, which is obviously not here, but not far away. And I reckon Hagen is fairly straightforward because it's Haun, which is harbour, like haven in English. Haven, exactly. Haun, so, he's been Norwegian. Oh, no, she's gone. Just the, just the name of her. The name of a station, um, but Copen is a little bit le- less uh, straightforward. Copen with a K in, in Danish comes from the same root as in Swedish. It goes cha, the K as it's pronounced ch, like killing, like it was just chicken, and uh, it comes from the same root as the German word kaufen, so shopping harbour. So Copenhagen shopping harbour. There you go. We need a jingle, I think, for etymology corner. Okay, uh, we'll sort it. Thanks to Voices 8 for plucking that one out of thin air. Right, well, that was a really bad idea to boast about how well the travel was going. I'm not going to say I'm blaming you, but you did say it was going well, and then it really went badly because we waited for about two hours in the freezing cold in about a queue of about a thousand people outside a random station in Norway for a bus which Matt managed to get further up the queue than us got on a bus after about only an hour mm-hmm. disappeared and then half an hour came back round the roundabout came crawling back trying, trying at which point we sort of lost the will to live um, 
And then the train started running again. So I got back on the train and met Matt at exactly the same time at the, the next station. Anyway, we're here now, yeah. and there's an enormous amount of snow, isn't it? I mean, it's piled up to sort of head high where they pushed it to one side in the streets. Yeah, it's very white, isn't it? Amazing light you get, partly from presumably being up in near the Arctic, but also from the reflecting on the snow. It's very beautiful. Low sun. Uh, we just had um, our... We went to a concert last night for our friend Bjarta Eicher's group. Uh, they were as Baroque Solist. You know, we're on quite a noisy sofa, by the way. It's this quite good sort of... Uh, it's, it's leather. It's leather, isn't it? It feels quite mm. illustrious, quite expensive. And uh, we went to their concert, <coughs> which is the, the Playhouse Sessions, which is... Oh no, have I got that right? No. It's called Purcell's Playground. Thank you. The Playhouse Sessions is a development of Ale House, isn't it? And they, they play under these different names of the Ale House Boys, which you and I used to be a couple of singers for. Um, and that's a sort of uh, what happens when the theatres are closed and Purcell goes into the pubs and they mix Purcell with uh, pub songs and sea shanties and all that, which is an amazing evening. It's been to UK quite a lot of times. Yeah, it's brilliant fun, isn't it? It's, you, I was saying to, I think, Charles last night as we left, you sort of wonder why people bother doing really quite... St- straightforward concerts because they're so much fun and they're so vibrant and they're also so brilliant musically uh, across genres so the, the folk stuff is really very beautiful and the baroque stuff really kind of really ticks along and is 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 full of life it's they're amazing i think and uh they were playing it was all by heart last night instrumentalists and everything and there was this sort of stage dynamic in which they were all moving about and it just seemed to sort of reflect the music um, Soprano Mary Bevan was singing with us, who sang as Eurydice in our Orfeo a couple of years back. She's huge, she's everywhere, but she's such an animal of the stage. She, her entire body was given over to the character of the song she was singing. Yeah, I found myself thinking quite a lot about embodiment watching them because they, they, they kind of dance along, don't they? And Or when it's not music that involves dance per se, they move in the same character as the, as the music and something really really compelling about that and also just you can't it can't help but be mirrored in the in the playing and the singing so really wonderful and we were talking about yesterday about how is it that they're happy to improvise what is it in classical musicians training whether improvisation the natural spirit that we have as children where's that where's that cut off is it because we don't play as much or now nah, that's a big subject um uh, but they you could think oh that's because they've got a lot of rehearsal time they're a properly funded group by norwegian government uh, there's all that, but there's something in the mentality because even when we just sat down to rehearse this Hakara from 1740 today, the thing kicked right from the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, they're brilliant, aren't they? And it, it's almost like they can't help themselves. There was a we were they started the Tarantella kind of ground bass going, 
And within 20 seconds, because we were, everyone was getting ready, they were kind of rocking on some kind of blues riff, which was just... It had turned into something else. Yeah, exactly, Wonderful. completely different, yeah. And, and th- like you say, that sense of, of freedom that comes with the ability or the willingness to improvise, firstly, is something we don't one doesn't encounter in our line very much, but feels completely authentically Baroque. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, the other thing is there's a spirit to the music. <coughs> Sorry, I'm coughing a bit today. There's a spirit to the music that is clearly as important for them as any idea of what they might have done at the time. Because the point is, we're not people back then. We're people now. And while you and I and they do believe that trying to understand what the composer meant is at least is a starting point, the point is they're not the composer, they're not then, they are now. And also, if there's one problem with authentic performance, it's the lack of authentic audiences. So our audiences have heard rock and roll, they've heard folk music and, and all this other stuff. So this, you know, that just bends it. But as you were saying, it's always Purcell, isn't it? That's it. The, the, it wasn't all Purcell music, was it? There were, there were bits of improvisation, bits of other stuff, I think, like maybe a bit of folky things. But it's so true to Purcell's spirit, and as we were saying on the way here, can't think of many composers who do that that incredible range of of emotions and of kind of colors from tragic to comic to bawdy or filthy to exquisite all within a few bars and the, and it's a great program and it's a great concept what they do but it wouldn't have the kind of it wouldn't hit such a bullseye if it weren't brilliantly played all the time yeah
the, f- the physicalization of it, there was a, there was a playing of uh, one of the Vile Fantasias last night, mm. um, and they start in four different parts of the stage, three of them off stage, and just gradually coming together as this spider's web is sort of knit, and uh, it just seems so much to embody the tortuous nature of those lines. I always think with the trouble with polyphony is it's, it, it's great if you're in it. I mean, this show Fadge did years ago called Talis in Wonderland. It's all about what it's like to be in polyphony as opposed to what it's like to hear it. And by starting separate, you got much more of the honesty of the individual <laughs> lines that make up polyphony. Um, and they're strange, tortuous nature. It's, it's deeply weird music, isn't it? You, as He can do that as well as everything else, Purcell. And the, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently is the way that notation kind of... It, the fact that we have the music on a page kind of imprisons us a bit, doesn't it? And the, the, the way that they're able to have a sort of physical or dramatic or visual representation of, of what they're doing yesterday on stage is, makes it a much richer, um, much more v- kind of vibrant experience for the audience. Because the most, the most oral of the audience is still primarily visual. Yeah. Um, and even when you're si- simply watching a symphony orchestra play, you know, uh, I don't mean simply, do I? Um, uh, there's a lot to take in. But it's difficult to sense a sense of development. You are stuck with your ears then. And yeah, that's, that's great. But for that kind of music, there's so much theatricality in it. Anyway, we can talk cleverly about that. But it was it was very moving um, and it was absolutely gripping as well. And it's also an hour until they started encoring, which is a great length for a concert. Yeah, it's brilliant. No, does anybody ever complain that a concert is too short? I think King Singers were talking about this after um, you know lockdown that... Uh, Actually, doing a two-hour concert, people are very happy with an hour generally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 a lot of time. I think it's a lot to take in, like you're saying about listening with your eyes as well as your ears. And actually, an hour of music, especially when it's when it's relatively complex and when it's performed with such vibrancy as it was last night, that's a lot for our senses to kind of absorb, isn't it? Yeah, just hear a little bit of a Bjarta speaking Norwegian because we like Norwegian a lot. We like Norwegian a lot, and we like Bjarta a lot as well. Apprendre Norvège. Écoutez et répétez. Luftputebåt. Och den körer väldigt, väldigt fort. Luftputebåt. Hovercraft. Luftputebåt. Luft, air, pute, pillow, båt, båt. Luftputebåt. Och den körer väldigt, väldigt fort. Terrible musician, though. Yeah, and also really boring, bloke, and ugly. Which is a shame. The personal hygiene problem. We're we going to talk about that too. Well, the artists. Yeah. yeah, it's awful. Oh. Very smelly. But we like him anyway. Despite all that.
And also, just when you thought you'd heard it all last night, they sang. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I, so much of last night makes you think about what it is to be an, an audience. And we, you know, you, you and I spend lots of time thinking about how to craft sound and how to make vocal sound into something that really means and lands with an audience. And in fact, hearing their sort of, is it, it's not unfair to call them untrained voices, it's very moving, something really kind of open and, and generous about that. It was a very good choice. It was there a sleep chorus, yeah, Hush, Hush No, no more. Yeah, Yeah, a beautiful bit of the Fairy Queen. Hush No More, Be Silent All, um, Sweet Repose Hath Closed Her Eyes. It's really moving. That kind of hybrid programme where you're choosing separate things from completely unrelated works is a real skill. Um, we'd done one with, actually it wasn't really Fadge, it was Freddie Long and Anna Dennis and Hugo with Canary of Ancient Music. I, put together, I spent a year and a half going through every single piece he'd written except the keyboard pieces, trying to work out what's an absolute genius piece as opposed to a really very, very good piece. But they would have had different choices because of the slightly more funk nature of of, of what they do. Yeah, they're looking to they're looking to groove a bit more, I guess. I mean, I'd like to ask you about that. What what's the difference between you know where did you find the differences? What's, what's the point of the difference between something that is absolutely amazing and astounding, and something that's just really really good? I th- there are three types of Purcell songs, aren't there? Uh, the one is great tunes. If music be the hood of love, great tune. Thank you. Uh, then there are the the ground bass arias that are incredible. I mean, let's pinpoint. I think the great thing about Purcell ground basses uh, and sometimes Monteverdi ground basses are that his vocal phrases are not the same length as the ground. Uh, even in Our Belinda, which is in first ground bass aria in, in Didonius, there's um, it, it, it goes on longer than the ground does, and so you lose yourself really in an orgy of oral pleasure. And then there's then there are the more restative pieces, and it's one of these I've picked for tonight, which um, Anabid Fernandez, Anabid Fernandez, it's going to sing, which is "Urge Me No More," mm-hmm. which goes from C major to D flat minor, which is from the theoretically impossible key of F flat minor, um, and in it he's just saying, "No, no more music. Everything is too rubbish. Everything is just horrendous. These are not the times to sing of Orpheus," and he goes through these incredible images, and. I think that is a, that's a truly great song. It's two minutes long. You very, very rarely hear it. And I think that was one of the pieces that came out of looking at all this Purcell and thinking that's, that is an extraordinary piece. And it's very little, actually, about the tune. It's, oh, it goes back to the conversation with Roddy Williams about his Dichterliebe last week, that it was all explaining, trying to make you understand and not dropping the audience for a second just to allow to listen to the music. This was his point about listening to the German. You know, people say, oh, I just come for the music. Well, that's great, um, but that's not where Schumann started. Um, and, and with Purcell, he starts with the text. Oh, 
now you've got me onto thinking about them last night. Oh, yeah. um, and they were so unselfconscious. I know Tom Guthrie, a director, baritone, has worked a huge amount with him. He's nearly, mm. I'm surprised not to see him there yesterday, actually. Um, and he does comedia with them. And Steve Player, the dancer, guitarist, who's such a force. I mean, we were talking about the what it is to have someone from a different art form on stage. And his point at our rehearsal just now is you can't walk off stage like a load of English blokes. Uh, there has to be some Tarantella dance feel to it. Um, and we are weighed down as Brits, aren't we, with the potential to be embarrassed. I mean, John Cleese talks about the, you know, how this is something that powers the whole British psyche, that Faulty Towers is based on the fear of fear of embarrassment. And they don't seem to have that at all, Scandinavians. Do you, Robert? Yes, but <laughs> I think the thing about me is... Loaded question. I always, I always make sure I'm in control of things or asking you to do the crazy things. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah, so tonight you'll start Sefira Torna with the video game gag, which I don't think either of you or Matt are particularly keen to oh, do. I absolutely hate it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it leads into a piece that you also don't particularly like. Oh, it's the worst piece ever, yeah. I mean, I, no one is a bigger fan of Monteverdi. I don't think than me, although perhaps you are. And I still think it's my least favourite piece of his. This is Monteverdi's Efferatona. Q, let's hear a bit of the piece. <laughs> don't you like about it probably somewhere along in the process is that i can't really sing it <laughs> um i don't know i just find it a bit i find that ground a bit f- annoying i don't know i can't i'm not very good at expressing that it's fine isn't it but it's not even the best piece of by monteverdi called zephyr Otona. there is another <clears throat> uh yeah another. that was where the victor police first appeared on wow. <laughs> seeing the score for the first time uh yeah, if you, if you haven't heard the Zephyr Torna, which is the five-part madrigal from Book Six, um, please listen to it. It's amazing. It's a, it starts off quite innocently, quite sweet, sort of dancing springtime images, but the end, which is the last sort of page or so, is is the most. I mean, you were saying the other day you think it's contrived, it's but it's the most contrived. extraordinary bit of writing for sixteen. Okay, oh, we, we, can he, we can hear that. Okay. Uh, interesting, two different sonnets to Zephyr Torna. Yeah, not the same words. Yeah. First one, Petrarch, um, doing his eight uh, lines of everything's really terrible, spring... Re- no, sorry, it's the other way around. It's spring returns, <laughs> everything... Spring returns, everything is fantastic. But ma, ma per me, lasso. E- everything is, is really terrible. I'm going to the bottom of the garden to eat worms. And he does this series of suspensions, which had to say... They're set out a little bit like Pearsall's Layer Garland, which is quite a cheap way to set up suspensions. Nothing wrong with cheap, especially in Norway. <laughs> no, quite. I, I bought a round <laughs> last night. Things. Big mistake. Yeah, exactly. Another mortgage. Um, no, it, it's not. It's it's perhaps not perfectly constructed, but it's one of those pieces that an audience will always take away with them because it's so extraordinary, particularly in the context of the relatively. Like diatonic, which which precedes it, and it's this final kind of everything, 
all these all these lovely beasts of the field are just a desert to me. It's it's incredible writing. So non deserto, and he he nicks that start from Marencio and Jacques de Vert, both of whom oh, have yeah. set it, and do that da 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 boom, trying to get as far away into the desert from the previous note. Yeah. I'm still enjoying this leather. I wonder if the listeners are. <laughs> That was the end of Zephyro Torna, um, the better version, five-part version, from a disc called... Sweet Torment. Sweet Torment, which we recorded with, in fact, Baroxo Listener in about 2009 in Oxford. And Beato, the hardy Norwegian, was terrorised by the cold church in Oxford. Yes, and Michael's... uh, Michael's... Summertown? Summertown, Mm. that's right. And he said, don't you heat your churches here? He doesn't talk like that at all. Um, But... And he said, no way, we heat our churches and we're responsible for most of global warming. God, exactly. It was, it was cold, wasn't it? Um, so where were we? End of January? What have you been up to so far this year? What? Um, it's sort of knock-on end of that really quite busy term last year when we were away with Fadge, but I was also doing undergraduate teaching. I finished my module called Singing Monteverdi, um, where students of very different abilities uh, get to grips with what's really important in Singing Monteverdi. And you kindly came up and... Uh, coached on that for a day uh, and it was just fascinating to see the different sort of things they did and you know obviously they all come with different skills and different different experiences of music before certainly in universities now you don't necessarily have to have a music a level to study music at, at a at a university um a theory uh, you know grade five theory grade eight theory um but you know one of the most impressive things was a student who was certainly difficult le- actual learning notes was difficult but their, their presentation was everything that you need for Monteverdi. Their, their honesty, the fact that they'd really thought about the energy, what's, what's behind this, the way they stood up for, you know, they thought to sit down so they could stand up to raise the tension at one point. So that was, that was lovely to see. Um, I was it sounded disturbingly like Emma Kirkby. A nice. Not a bad thing, we should clarify. Absolutely not. No, the great Emma. I'm going to genuflect quickly now. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the great Dame Emma, sorry, pop Dame, them on yeah, in. A leathery genuflection there. <laughs> um, so that that was rather lo- lovely to see. I've written those up, got them moderated. It's quite good marking re- recitals at University of York because you have really good criteria to mm. fit to. Because re- marking performance, I mean, you're doing it at the Academy, mm. and it's quite... You said at Cambridge last year when you were marking that still, despite lockdowns and everything, you knew what was a 60 and you knew what was a 70, and we put that into words in York, and it's terribly useful when you're arguing about a mark for a student to have these things to, to refer to. Yeah, it's super useful, isn't it? We were talking about it actually just at lunch there, that the the criteria are a really good thing to hang your hat on because, partly because at undergrad, it's, it seems, I don't think it's unfair to say, you've got such a range of 
approaches such a range of standards, particularly for singers who are. I remember Nick Clapton saying this at Dartington once that if you're if you're twenty, vocally you're basically a toddler. You're four or five years old in terms of your actual voice having reached its maturity. Especially for men. Yeah, exactly. So it's you know it's totally feasible to be a absolutely international concert standard cellist, which we had at Cambridge a couple of years ago. Um, a former young musician, um, but you can't singers it just almost never works like that you very rarely get someone who's absolutely ready to go at that stage so those criteria really help you hang hang on what you what you're looking for really and what sort of things you're looking to encourage and it may be that the technical command if that's the right phrase isn't where it might be but the like you talk about so the sincerity and the directness of communication and understanding the music and yeah. so one of the the early 17th century techniques is a throat articulated uh, ornamentation a whole series of them known as gorgia throaties if you like Gorgeous. and yes and, and one absolutely wouldn't expect singers after a term's work to, to have done very well with that but we do want them to engage in it in fact one of them Produce some fantastic little passaggi at the uh, at the end. I also got them to rewrite some of the passaggi because you know someone like Caccini will write these great big long roulades, double roulades. No one knows what he means by double roulades, but I'm hoping it's got something to do with Swiss roll. <laughs> yeah. um, and you you can't you can't do that. That's a lifetime's work to manage that kind of thing. So they just rewrote them, made them shorter, something that had the gesture. Um, That's a really it, good exercise. Isn't it? Sorry, because it's. Um, you know the, these things that have come down to us written, written down. Like a lot, Caccini is a good example. They're just, it's just one person writing on one day, isn't it? They, they, we, we of course attach importance to them because they're important documents. But it's only one person's answer to a to a problem for one performer. I yeah. think probably most likely. Try to ask Biarta to play the cadence the same way twice, or you to ornament something. I mean, you're an absolute nightmare to record because you ornament, because <laughs> you you ornament different every single time. One of your best ornaments is on Flaming Heart. And you were just basically taking the piss uh, at the beginning, just bit, at the beginning of a take in the bit we didn't use, and I managed to slice it on. Oh, wow. I wonder if I can just pop that in now. I think I know where that is. So hooray for hooray for University of York. That um, I mean, when I was at university. Performance wasn't taught or coached in any way. We had singing lessons, um, so York's focus on performance, assessed performance, um, I think is good. Yeah, and it, as as you say, I'm going to Cambridge a little bit now, and it's but they're, they're beginning to be more explicit about it there, and also offer provision for it. Because when I was, I didn't do a music degree, but when I was there, if you did and you did performance, you just kind of left to your own devices. Maybe had some lessons outside of, maybe maybe you went down to London for lessons and had to magic up a kind of brilliant 30-minute recital at the end of your degree, having not really been offered any support on yeah. it. And that's, that's a, a very strange way to do things, yeah. isn't it? At Swindon University, they're left to their own devices. Very good. <laughs> Bit of music. <laughs> when I was a little boy Oh, so my mama told me She
We're back on the same noisy leather chairs, but um, uh, Nicholas, Sammy's gone, and I'm here with Biafta. He's just appeared out of thin air, and we've been, um, as she said, in the world to rights, but all sorts of things. And you started talking about this thing that you'd done, 200 shows. I mean, I know everything you do because I stalk you on <laughs> on Facebook or whatever with Baroque Solistin and, and Alehouse Boys. What's that that you do? <laughs> There's a children's production um, that I made with another violinist called Peter Spisky. So uh, one of the things we we developed was this uh, duo program, uh, which is an alternative uh, Gulliver's Travel. So um, dressed up, we are dressed up. We have a, a map as a, our back backdrop, where which shows where we travel. So 
the whole thing is that we actually traveled with him and we never get any tr credit for it and we're, we're there to tell the, the real story where where we went and so we're traveling with him and then at the end we lose him and and it's it's for for kids uh, from six to twelve years old I think our audience is and we we run around like crazy it's it's a it's a fun fun little show that we have been touring on schools in Norway we've done 222 shows it's just 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 staggering I mean, and, and you said there's this thing he called the you said it's not in an ideal place for music education in some ways Norway but you have this thing called the cultural backpack yes it's an incredible uh, program um, so you have all these uh, different uh, regions in Norway called fylker um, so and they all have a, a administration and a, a producing team for this cultural backpack. And they are in their main objective is to, to present professional musicians, dancers, actors. Um, it can be groups, it can be single people, it can be also writers and journalists. <clears throat> and they, they arrange these tours, talk to the schools, and then you are maybe on, on a two-week tour maybe. Then you go and visit the school and you do a couple of shows. If you are sort of... If you had good feedback. Yeah, then you are sort of in. Because uh, uh, kids, not an easy audience. No, and uh, with with our Alehouse project, uh, we'd, we are also doing that. It's called the DKS, Den Kulturelle Skolsekken, the cultural backpack. And is it called Orange Juice Project? Yeah, well, we are, we're not talking too much about the, uh, the ale part of it. but Which in Norwegian is... <laughs> but <laughs> yeah so we don't uh, if there's any songs uh, which has the word ale I turn it into orange juice or something yeah. but um, <laughs> milk but touring with the alehouse is uh, is interesting because then you can do this immersive you can uh, have a little bit all the kids and you can teach them uh, songs and dances and, and bring them in and in some places we even bring them in to, to then join in for the, for the evening concerts we did something similar in, in Cardiff at the Royal Welsh College I've done it a couple of times with students there do workshops for a day and then they join for the, for the concert in the evening so I mean you say concert but you know Nicholas was saying as he came out um or that that concept that you know why why aren't more things like that why does it have to be you know the way you were playing with Purcell just seemed very oh, entering cliche land here very honest to the spirit of Purcell but with just a lot more sort of modern imagination why do you think you're I wouldn't say the only person doing that but there's a lot of weird projects in you know continental Europe and, and England as well I suppose but a lot of the time just strange things are thrown together in the hope that it'll make something cool but what you do is much more organic than that. Why aren't there more people with that sort of playful spirit? Because it is playful, isn't it? Well, definitely playful. Uh, if it's, I think I can't I can't speak for other people why they wouldn't do it. But I think my approach is um, definitely the playfulness, but also with a lot of respect for for the reg regional essence of it. So I have. I have a deep love for Purcell and what he's done. So it's not just, oh, that's a cool, cool, let's see what we can do with it. But so because everything is there, and just think that <clears throat> there has been for a, for a long time, um, he's been misunderstood in many ways, especially 
maybe strings or like uh, instrumentalists because they they tr have a tendency of treating him more like a Bach or it's a very elevated very like high brow and he he has the the whole spectrum in it's so much humor it's that's funny so it's just what Sammy was saying yesterday the mix of range can you think of another composer that goes from a dirty catch to something just so exquisite that you can't quite well, believe it I can't certainly can't I mean I'm sure some of the things that you do um, uh, with the comed comedia the, has similar things, but it's it's not as easy to understand for our. That's audience. the advantage. The, the advantage you have with instrumental music is that it is timeless, and the, yeah. a lot of the music that I do, there's a context to it that one's constantly trying yeah, to sort yeah. of to reinvent. But I um, I also think that um, when you are Norwegian or not from England. Not from not England. From England. Do it's the accent properly, please. Not from England. It's much easier, you know, for me to sort of not have the weight of uh, my cultural heritage on my shoulders. So it's easier for me to, to maybe. I, I can see that excuse, but I, I just wonder whether we're just. No, it's not fair to call us lazy. There is so little money, and so little rehearsal time yeah. generally with British groups that you know one is struggling and when I see something like that I go back to the importance of um, not having to make a decision at the end of a session mm. uh, it's like going to a library and getting the next book out from the one you want <laughs> because it looks more interesting and that that ability to play I mean it just seemed like a big game that Purcell playground uh, and that's so you don't feel you know there's been nothing oh, you know I've done my Bon action, as my wife would say. I haven't mm. been to a classical concert tonight. But it's also related to, to education. Sum up your music education in about 25 seconds. Why have you ended up like this, you weirdo? <laughs> 25 seconds? Yeah. Are you joking? Yeah, because very good discipline. It's like, explain your PhD <laughs> yes. in 30 seconds. Well, I, I started playing violin when I was four, four years old. And, and I've gone through the music school system in Norway. Very good uh, place. And then into conservatory too young and uh, should have had a, a matured a bit more but uh, I was always yeah, we all think that yeah we all <laughs> well I'm 50 now so uh, no and then um, I've never felt at home with the uh, with the very traditional uh, romantic high romantic violin music why would I why should I spend 10 hours a day practicing just to sound worse than somebody else because you would never <laughs> you would never be better so so and I, I was always interested in 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 folk music and uh, these sort of uh, other types of music so when I discovered uh, early music in my life in the early stages of conservatory life it just clicked because then you could have a combination of something serious you can nerd you can uh, you open up all these fantastic worlds when you when you start digging into the material, and it's incredible how rich the early music is and how how diverse it is compared to the classical in the tradition that uh, it's romantic, high romantic, and you just do something without question. And the link with folk music in the early music, the use of uh, improvisation, the c complete crazy. Uh, ideas some of these composers have had before everything became a European standard 
Yeah, the 17th century, yeah. in other words. Yeah. It's just it's just mind-blowing how many directions you can get into. So Bieber and that Castello Sonata yeah. that you play on Monteverdi, The Other Vespers, uh, this, in which it was quite hard to follow you, I have to say, because it, you were so free with it. And, and we always ask ourselves, where did, where did classical musicians lose the sort of play sense that allows them to improvise? And I think in England we seem to go down one route fairly early on, uh, that either you become a sort of creating free musician, jazz, improvisation, or you go into classical. But you seem to have both because of the folk, I suppose. I suppose so. I mean, I, I know jazz musicians that are really stiff as well it's it's not oh, it, it's it's not that classical music music or musicians by themselves per it's 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 a stiff approach i just think that there's there's so many traditions that you are, are thrown into once you say okay i'm really interested in tchaikovsky well then you have to do it like well why uh, and it's just easier in in 17th century 18th century, especially 17th century, things to be free with it because it's it's much more open and you don't have all this 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 big interpreters bef- before you, um, mm. so you have to sort of rediscover. But w- if anybody doing anything with music or on stage, uh, f- not forget that the same word for making music and having fun is play you play music and you have fun you you, you improvise you you cre- create things you create small worlds is that the same in same in german in french same spielen spielen in norwegian in norwegian it's not the same ah. <laughs> <laughs> hoisted by your own yeah. guitar to go yeah. and learn it's that uh, phrase. you you yeah, well you you spill it you play music spill music and you leke it leke spill it
Adagio and the Glittering Queen 
That's the name of this track from Fairy Queen, although that instrumental movement is also in Hale Bright Cecilia, isn't it? Uh, soprano there, Berit Norbakken. Uh, what an interesting uh, sound and approach. She's got incredible articulation, hasn't she? Uh, and if you're thinking, oh, yes, but there's a slight, you know, Scandinavian tinge to her accent. The older I get, the more I find that rather charming and, and, and interesting. It's a little trace element of something that isn't English. Um, do we get a little bit too concerned about pronunciation? Certainly as a singer and a director of an ensemble, I'm kind of manic about it at times. But actually, it's just a colour. And, uh, you know, if the German ambassador comes onto the Today programme and has a slight accent, it enables us to place him. And that's fine. Uh, I, I just wonder whether we get a little bit um, a little bit fascist sometimes about uh, insisting that uh, the best performers of English music are English musicians and especially vocal music and you must have Spanish musicians performing Spanish choral music. Well, yeah, maybe, but maybe being outside, as Biafta was saying, that you don't have the weight of expectation on you and you come to it with something fresh. Um, and, you know, I'd love to hear Al, Al Aire Espanol singing Purcell and Concerto Italiano singing Wilkes and maybe Eve Angelini singing, I don't know, German tenor leader or whatever we like. We, we, we should be a little bit free about that, I think. Fantastic to be out there working with uh, Beata Eicher and lovely to see Sammy as well, Nicholas Sammy. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be with you in a couple of weeks. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or, if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via choralchihuahua.com. Thanks. <laughs>